I think that they just want views. So they had the Blue Zones dock recently, which was terrible. I, it just can be picked apart really easily and it's a lot of it's false. They, I think they would want the other side, you know? We could pitch it to them, hey, here's the answer. You know, you want to get more views? Well, we're, we're going to show the opposite viewpoint. Well, my views have always been the same about the Blue Zones is they're people with a sense of purpose. They have a, a strong community and they eat whole foods. I believe in that as well. I, I, it's not like there's a specific diet. It's more like what is the year round like context of your diet and it's all actually different and humans are really adaptable the the commonality was that it was real food it was seasonal and it was still nutrient dense like the context of just 300,000 years or 2 million years yeah. you know with pre-humans and for 99% of that time we were eating like woolly mammoth tons of fat meat we had all this humans got smaller in stature our brains got smaller we have more disease after around the 12,000 year mark and part of that was to do with agriculture, surely, right? Eating these lower quality grains and stuff, but also we didn't have our true ancestral diet. This is Decentralized Radio. I'm Tristan. And I'm Ryan. The goal of this podcast is to help educate you on how to live your most optimal life. We will host industry expert guests to shed light on topics that matter. We are not gurus, rather two individuals who have had to pave their own path to health and vitality independent of the centralized systems that plague modern society. All right. Hello, everyone. We are live at the Sapien Center with Brian Sanders. How's it going, man? Good oh. to have you back. Oh, yeah. I'm back. How are you doing? Good, good. Round two in person. It's always mm. fun. Um, been at the Sapien Center before, which is cool because second time really here in Austin and it's been a busy week. So it's nice to come to a familiar place, I would say. I love it. This is the meeting place of Austin. We get all the great people in the community here. Meeting. Meet. Meeting. Yes. We have lots of meetups. <laughs> yes. I love it. Well, yeah. How's uh, how's life been? You got the film. You got Nose to Tail. We were talking a bit pre-show. It's uh, still a lot going on. Of course. Busy guy. One of the hey. busiest guys who's trying to do it all. Yeah. I'm trying to not do it all anymore. I'm trying to simplify my life a little bit. But yes, I have the Food Lies documentary series. We're trying to finish episode one, get it to this big studio that's going to help us get on Netflix. So that's awesome. It takes up a lot of my time. It's kind of funny. It's like looking back, I don't know if I'd do this again, where it's how, how much time can I spend with making $0 on a project? Six years, not getting paid, and it takes up most of my time. But it has to be done, you know? Someone has to do it. Yeah, well, we're all indebted to you for that, I think. And it's so incredible that you've just been so persistent. If this all goes well, when would you think like an episode one be out? Well, we have to wait till they're all six are done. Okay. So it'll just be next year. And it depends on how fast the studio can help us and how fast Netflix just, you know, approves it. But yeah, next year. Do you still have hesitancies maybe that Netflix won't approve it or do you see more progression in this space compared to like when mm. we talked last? Because I feel like there is some progression, but at the same time, that's at the societal level, but at the same time, I feel like the government and interventions and things like that have become a bit more strict. Mm. So I'm curious your take. Well, I think the Netflix CEO that was more woke is out. So I think there's a decent chance. And I think that they just want views. So they had the Blue Zones doc recently, which was terrible. Uh, well, it was fine. I, it just can be picked apart really easily and it's a lot of it's false. But they, I think they would want the other side. You know, we could pitch it to them. Hey, here's the answer. You know, you want to get more views? 
well, we're, we're going to show the opposite viewpoint from that Dan Buettner thing. Did it actually do bad or did it do well? I, I don't think know. it did okay. No, yeah. I saw it up in the charts okay. for a week or two. Like it was, it was high up there. It's uh, well, my mom told me about it too. And I was like, isn't yeah. this just the same thing that he's been talking about just in the documentary? And yeah, it turned out to be exactly that. We did it actually, Ryan and I debriefed it completely. I'm curious. Yeah. What, what's your take? Obviously the diet perspective is, is definitely very skewed, but there's some decent takeaways oh, yeah, that's, there. That's what I was saying. Well, my views have always been the same about the blue zones is okay. They're people with a sense of purpose. They have a, a strong community and they eat whole foods. Amazing. I believe in that as well. Completely. These are these are huge fact. Oh, and movement. True, right. They're always moving. They're they're working with their hands. They're climbing up mountains, you know. In nature. In I think nature. that's a big one that they didn't talk oh, about. Oh, for just sure. Just like how uh, ingrained they are in nature on a daily basis. Outside. They're outside walking from place to place. Yes. Of course, you're going to do well. This is great. And they're avoiding processed foods. So, of course, it's going to do well. It's just that he took this angle as very biased that he saw what he wanted to see and just interviewed specific people that happened to be more plant-based. But, you know, there's people like Mary Reddick that are traveling around the world and I've been with her into some of these blue zones. And she sees the exact opposite. She sees people eating nose to tail. They're eating a, a lamb from nose to tail, right? They're sucking the bones and eating the bits and pieces and the organs and they're eating goat and they're making everything with animal fat. And he doesn't see that. That's actually a good one too is like you don't see the fat. If you're an inexperienced researcher and he's not a researcher at all, he's just some biased guy that had an idea that vegetarian was a good thing to do. And so it's like you, they didn't have throughout history, they didn't have seed oils. They didn't have all this stuff. They just used animal fat, but you can't see that. So you see a plate of food and maybe there were not that many animals visible on the plate, but by calories, they were a lot, they were animal based, I think. Like I've been to Costa Rica to some of the blue zone okay. areas and they are animal based by calories. And these people don't have a lot of money. So yeah, I mean, they can't afford a lot of meat, but they raise their own pigs and they butcher the pig and they save all the fat and they cook everything in the fat and they get the milk. They're making the cheese from their, you know, one cow that they have and they're animal based by calories. Yeah. And like the guy in Costa Rica who was like a hundred, he was a, he was literally a rancher or like he was moving cattle. Yeah. So I was like, I think this guy's eating meat. They just like <laughs> conveniently left that out. And then Okinawa as well, you can look at research. It shows that they eat like obviously a large amount of pork and fish. I mean, any of these islands, Sardinia as well is in the mountains, but it's an island. They're eating a ton of seafood. And I just don't like the whole thing because it's very backwards looking, right? Like even Okinawa now, they're not, they're at average Japan life's lifespan because mm -hmm. it, they've dropped off a cliff the last five years. And these people are 80, 90, 100 years old. They're not, we're not growing up. We're not living in a world that they lived in. The mm -hmm. world that they lived in is gone. Mm -hmm. It doesn't exist. You know, the 1900s, the early 1900s, nobody living today, really like 50 and under, grew up in an environment like that. So it's just completely different. You can take some inspiration though, but it's it's a very strange way and I'm definitely not a fan of, of the lifespan metric um, overall, of course. Well, I think it's because there's very few people that eat completely whole food diets and the only ones that do back in the day, kind of when he was kind of citing them, happened to be more plant-based. So, you know, there's never been a population studied that was more animal-based that didn't also include tons of processed foods. Does it make you think that... Well, I don't know how much you weigh diet compared to like everything else, but to me, 
the takeaway is that diet is important. And if it's a whole food diet, that's, you know, these, all these people are eating hyper local and seasonal by default, especially, what was it in Greek? They were straight up like disconnected from the rest of the Mm -hmm. country until like 20 years ago. That means they literally only grew what they, they only ate what they could grow. Mm -hmm. So that's just hyper locality 101. And yeah, I think that to me is an important takeaway. Yeah. So no matter, so, okay. I've been in this game for 10 years now, full-time six years. Like all I do, like seven days a week is think about this stuff, research this, travel, interview doctors, scientists. The number one thing I've found is, well, I think food matters most, but it is the whole foods. It is hyper-local, seasonal, whole foods. Those three things, that's what they do. And that's what all cultures did throughout history. And it, the main conclusion I was going to say is that it actually doesn't matter that much the ratio of plant to animal. That if you're eating local, seasonal, whole foods, you're going to be fine. And humans, and we've studied this too, is that they always exploit as much animal foods as they can from their surroundings. And Weston Price found this, is that the healthier populations had more animal foods Mm -hmm. and they always ate to the level that they could get of animal foods, right? So yes, if you're screwed and like you're in an island and you can't get that much, you're eating as much as you can and then you're getting the rest from whole foods. And you're okay. Maybe you're not going to thrive, you know, like as much as you could. Like the Maasai, they're eating the most animal foods and they're the tallest, strongest, healthiest people I've ever seen. And also just it's in the literature. Like these guys are, their average height is like 6'2 or something. Then they're big jaws, like amazing teeth, like just so healthy. Yeah. And I saw a recent video of them like jumping up and down, like their fascia health is ridiculous. I mean, just how athletic they are and not playing any sports. They're not. Did you experience that? I did. So I thought I was a good athlete. I played sports growing up. I was a high jumper, pole vaulter. I played basketball. I played football as a wide receiver, right? I thought I was a good athlete. I look at the video of me jumping with them and I look like an idiot. I look like a complete fool compared to they're jumping three times as high as I am. Why do you think that is? Well, that's kind of part of their tradition. I I have a theory. Well, I mean, their diets, yeah, I mean, they're dialed in with super clean animal-based diet. They, yeah, I don't know. I think it's a product of modern modernization of society. I think the reason why African-Americans, um, Africans, and then maybe even Native Americans, I have a friend um, who we had on this podcast and, you know, he's Native Lakota and he's mm-hmm. so athletic. I think the fascial health is that's totally correlated to how athletic you know Mm -hmm. someone is and they haven't had this degradation of like europeans have been pretty modernized for like a thousand years whereas Mm -hmm. these guys have been way closer to modern they pretty much are modern hunter gatherers right or way closer so they haven't had that like degradation on tens of generations Mm. so i think they're just closer to our primal yeah. ancestry and that for that reason they their fascia health because fascia health is all about you know living that that sort of lifestyle like eating real food getting outside the sunlight we know it's fantastic for the water that hydrates your fascia and just being connected to ground the earth which provides electrons to the fascia so that's my theory and i almost think that i think athleticism in the modern world is peaking. I don't think, I think we're going to go down mm. in terms of athleticism over time. I don't think modern training is going to help us. I think we, unless we fix our environment that mm. we're in, but that's my theory. Obviously it's my, I, I'm going to go with your theory. Your theory <laughs> is now my theory. I'm going to take that. Now 
Uh, I'll credit you, but it, it's so good. And and the like Usain Bolt, yeah, right. It's yeah. like maybe our athletes have peaked, but we'll find these athletes that still. Well, if you took someone yeah. from the Maasai and like yeah. put them in the NBA, like train them, like Joel Embiid, like yeah. straight up, he didn't start playing basketball until he was like fourteen or something mm-hmm. like that, and just from Cameroon. So they're they're just like way further removed from modern modernization industrialization i think i think i'm very curious if we're going to have some kind of new generation that has woken up to this primal ancestral lifestyle early enough that just has can avoid processed foods their whole life and just see how they can thrive well i think it's everything i think i'll probably disagree with you that diet is the most important because i think everything else combined i think it's all important right i don't know if i have a number one i think everything is kind of like equivalent like how much you are outside how connected you are sleep quality but yeah i agree that we can trend in the back in that direction that's why i think the blue zones you see like these cities now they get industrialized from a food perspective industrialized from a light perspective from EMFs, literally mm. technology in mm. general, they're inside more, they're eating worse, they're moving less. It's all a factor of modernization. And that to me is the real downside. Hey friend, thanks for listening. If you really enjoy this podcast, it would be really appreciated if you left us a five-star review on Spotify, Apple, or subscribe to our content on YouTube. This helps us get to a larger reach and a larger audience to spread this wonderful free education. It is. So yeah, it's food matters most for most people, but you can't disentangle all the things. And I always say that it is kind of all of it. It's living ancestrally. And because mm-hmm. if you have them all, you're going to do so much better. And yeah, it's hard to rank them. But I always say food because if you just take someone eating a standard American diet, living this way, and then you tell them to like go outside and you just, you know, ground and be in the sun during the midday and, you know, all this, it's going to do, you know, somewhat better. Or that you give them any sort of intervention and they'll do, yeah, 10% better. But if you change their diet, they're like very quickly going to do 80% better. I think that's because they're limited to how much they can do. Like if, if you took someone who was working nine to five and then they just completely changed to like almost living outdoors, mm-hmm. like that's that's the equivalent switch whereas like if they started spending you know an hour more outside that's like oh. e- that's eating like 10 percent better right so it's like that's how we're Ooh, moving so it's, it's less we're less able to make that big of a jump um so i agree with you that diet if you completely 180 your diet you know that's a complete change in yeah. the right direction whereas you can't really go from if you're stuck in the modern world i mean almost all like we're doing this inside right now i mean it's yeah. it's really challenging to be fully connected to nature in 2023 it's almost impossible um, yeah so that's that's just my perspective oh, no, but I, I agree like, no it's interesting to think about because i i have another example a friend dr eric westman that <clears throat> he he had Oh, well, people in wheelchairs. He has these. He works in this very poor part of it's like West Virginia or something, and they don't do anything differently. Zero exercise, zero sun, zero anything, and he just changes the diet, reverse diabetes, lose eight. Oh pounds, yeah, I right? like I agree. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But imagine then they also but, spend four more hours outside. I mean, it's all we're so we're so far gone. It's like anything that brings us back is going to yeah. make a profound impact. But then a lot of people they'll go like carnivore and they'll get to this point 
um, where they feel a ton better, but there's still like some residual health effects. And then it's like, that's where you want to start. So I think starting with, with diet, I, I like starting with all these things because it's free to go outside. It's, it's pretty, you can even say it's saving money if you start cooking your meals mm-hmm. and eating real food. But I kind of want to get back into the seasonality aspect because that's something you said you've experienced. And we're talking about the Hadza, the Maasai, um, some of the blue zones that are eating hyper-local. What, how do you think about seasonality importance in terms of diet? Because this is something I'm really big on. And I think a lot of the folks in the diet space completely neglect. Yeah. It could be one of those things where they, yeah, they hit these stalls or they could be doing so much better if they actually take that into account. But I also think it's very hard for people. So I kind of understand why. Because if someone changes their diet, they're like, oh, wait, I can just eat like some meat and eggs and I'm going to be better. They just take, they're just like, I'm good, right? It's it's harder to change your whole diet every three months if you want to think about it. Yeah, that. yeah, I agree. But I think like meat, I think also why carnivore works is because meat is always in season. That's yeah. the thing. Like in Wyoming, I'm going back. It's going to be freezing cold. Nothing would have been growing there yeah. like ever. Yeah. And that's why the Native Americans, the Indians there, they pretty much ate like 90% bison. So I think that's a under-discussed way that carnivore is is really good as well as that meat is, and it should be the staple. Like we're both in agreement that animal food should be the staple of yeah. the diet. And I think as well, it's important from meat being in season. But then you look at, I talked a bit about this with the Meat Mafia a little bit yesterday, is that you look at Saladino. He's in Costa Rica and he's eating all these fruit, you know, it kind of makes sense. He's yeah. a, Sean Baker's in Washington. There's not that many f- fruit growing there. Yeah. I mean, some berries, some obviously modern fruit yeah. conveniences and things that aren't local. But there I'm like, hey, here's kind of a nuance. They're saying similar things, but no one's talking about those kind of differences. Yeah. Okay. So I do agree with you. I was kind of going to get there. First, I was. it's just hard for people. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But yes, I. okay. I think seasonal is huge. So people, Saldino again, was really against all the anti-nutrients, which is a huge thing people should discover and learn about, right? But then that also has a seasonality perspective, right? It's like I, some other people who push back against him, they're like, man, you got to calm down about eating, you know, some Brussels sprouts once in a while. Like that's not going to kill anyone. That's not going to hurt anyone. And so I, I do agree. It's like if you eat some Brussels sprouts, even though that's not even ancestral food. Like we developed these all from the wild mustard plant. You know what I mean? But still, if you, so say some wild herbs, we've, we've had wild herbs around. If you eat wild herbs in season, great. You should not have oxalate problems, right? I have oxalate problems because I was an idiot and I bought into the spinach and kale shake and almond milk thing. And I was doing that like seven years ago, just like chugging these shakes every day. It makes no sense, but I should be able to handle some oxalate a little, right? In season. So, yeah, it's really not discussed and it's that's why I brought it up in the first place because it's it's kind of hard to do. It's like who's going to go this extra mile to really eat seasonally and not many people, but it could have such a huge impact if they did. Yeah, it's hard, right? Because, you know, all the folks have, you know, big platforms and you want to give people a concise, simple message that applies, but it just doesn't doesn't work like that. People are living in completely different places. So you can tell them, yeah, eat animal foods for sure. That It's all better than the standard American diet, which we yeah. can all agree upon. So it's like, but what I would like to see more from, from some of those guys is at least talking about it because it is. And there's people who are trying to continue, right? There's people who are just discovering this stuff. 
if you get them to eat a steak or anything, real food, this is a tremendous improvement. But there's people who have now been doing that for a few years and it's like, all right, you know, if you want to even get to the next level, like you're saying, um, you could try out this. I had walnuts this morning and that would probably cru- get me crucified in the carnivore community. But guess what? Um, it's winter. It's, we're going into winter, late, late fall, going back to Wyoming. If you look up when nuts would actually be available, it's right now. And that's not a coincidence because, you know, fattening up for winter is a real thing. Uh, polyunsaturated fats, heavily demonized. But if you eat them in the right context, when it's colder, they won't be oxidizing either. Um, it can actually provide benefit. And then you look at things in nature, like Arctic fish have more polyunsaturated fatty acids. That's not, it's not coincidence in my opinion. So I, I just think it makes total sense. It's like you tell someone to eat local, you know, it's good for the community. It's good to support local farmers. And, but then you're like, oh, this actually makes sense from a health Ooh. perspective as well. It's so huge. And I'm really into the Weston Price stuff. And he went around the world and he went to all these different localities that ate completely differently. Mm-hmm. And it, it all makes sense. Yes, if you're around the equator, then you can eat more fruit and it makes more sense. And these people were still strong and healthy. And Saldino is a good example of that. He's out there surfing every day. Yeah, that's great. And it, it really, yeah, I don't know. People just need to think about it. it. It makes sense. It doesn't matter kind of what you eat. It's I, it's not like there's a specific diet. It's more like what is the year round like context of your diet and kind of the nutrient density. It's like it all it's all actually different and humans are really adaptable and it really just the the commonality was it was real food it was seasonal and it was still nutrient dense that that's kind of the point is that you can have different diets but it, there's still the nutrient density composition is still good right even if they're they look very different on paper but because they're whole foods and because no totally and that's why i like how you communicate the diet piece from the start, right? Like you weren't like dogmatic into one diet. You're kind of like just, what can we remove? Why are the ultra processed foods so bad? And um, that's really important. I think that's why your film is going to be so great and I'm really excited for it. But I, I think, yeah, the diet space has just gotten a bit dogmatic for, for me when it's really the high level overview is if you're removing all the bad and eating kind of in that um, nutrient dense local perspective, then these Specifics doesn't matter that, that much. If you've been trying to reap the benefits of nose to tail nutrition while eating a wild game, it can be extremely hard to source and find. And sometimes it just doesn't taste that good. Luckily, I found a kick-ass company, Nose to Tail Provisions, who offer incredibly delicious, extremely nutritious, regeneratively raised wild game straight to your door. As someone that has personally battled autoimmune disease, like the founders of Nose to Tail Provisions, I understand the importance of what you put in your body and the quality behind it. That's why I am honored to have them as a sponsor of Decentralized Radio, and man, their elk snacks are delicious. All of their products are raised, grass-fed, 100% microplastic-free, and delivered a nutritious punch. And right now I'm proud to offer 10% off anything you order from them using our code DRADIO10. D-R-A-D-I-O-10. Exactly. And there's a guy, Dr. Gary Fetke. He's uh, in Australia. He actually kind of does a lot of research, him and his wife, about the start of veganism and where it even came from. And he traces back to the 1880s. A very interesting guy. But he his tagline is fresh, local, seasonal. And so I've heard him talk about this for years and years, and I'm just like, that's it. That's it. But it's not a sexy message online. It's not yeah. like, 
Sean Baker, you know, they're just like, yes, eat meat. It's like fresh local seasonal. They're like, oh, so you have to learn more. But I, I'm sticking with it. Fresh local seasonal. I, and we have them in the film saying it. So it's I love that. And that made me think of another thing that makes it more complicated is, is research, right? Like if you do studies, where is this study located? Like what time of year it is? Um, are they taking any of these factors into account? We obviously know the answer is no. Mm-hmm. So ah, just so many issues with like scientific research in terms of any health aspects, really controlling for the right environmental factors. That's it. That, no research has been done on a healthy population. Like I, you almost can throw out all the nutrition research. I don't even, yeah. Who would they even do? Like how many people are really like embracing a full local seasonal diet, like eating outside or living outside as much as they can, like grounding all these things. I don't, it doesn't even exist. Anymore. Well, it's like 0.01%. There's probably even only 1% that even attempts it. Yeah. Right. And it's like, okay, there's a few hundred people in Austin. There's you, you know, like we could almost name the people. I'm like, if we were to do a study, I want these people in this study. How about I get a thousand people? Yeah. And we do a study on them. Yeah. But then we could be in different locations. So we would all have to like be in the same spot. And you could even argue um, heritage could play some factor. I don't think mm-hmm. it's as much, but yeah, you're totally right. I mean, it's you can throw out so much. <laughs> and that's why I get infuriated with the show me the study people. Oh, but, I can't with those people. Um, it's important. Now, I take a lot of inspiration from research. And there actually is a lot of good research out there. And, but you kind of have to connect the dots yourself. Mm -hmm. You kind of have to see, and that's something I've been diving into is seeing like, oh, these seasonal biomarkers, even just like a blood work panel, like vitamin D, cholesterol, blood pressure, blood glucose. Like imagine Mm -hmm. if you went from eating a bunch of fruit in the summer to eating nothing but meat in the winter, like all these things are going to change how much sun you're getting. But that's not convenient for the reference ranges, um, the, the lab, lab core data. It's never, yes, you have to use some research, but it kind of goes back to, I hate the thing of like what works for you because so many people say that and they're like, oh, I'm vegan and it works for me. But in the end, people are going to be listening and, and you, you take it all in, you try it. If you do this ancestral thing, it's working for you. Like that's way better proof than any yeah. study. 100%. I want to get into maybe, yeah, like you visiting the Maasai, the Hadza, like, yeah, what were your, some of your main takeaways? Obviously the diet piece, what else? Like what else are these guys doing that really had a profound impact on how you think about optimal health? Yeah. So the diet, first of all, their entire life revolves around acquiring meat, <laughs> right? That's just their main goal in life. Uh, what was really interesting is they were just on permanent vacation. Like from the outside looking in, we spent a few days with them. And at the end, I was like, ah, oh, these guys are just on vacation. Like, they're, what, are they, what are they doing all day? Like, they're hanging with their buddies. They're around the fire cooking together. They were singing. They were dancing. We, we like, shot arrows with them. They were playing. And then they, like, go, they're like, hey, we're hunting. And they would just start running. It was so interesting how it wasn't like, hey, let's go hunting. It's like some guy just got up and then everyone just got up and they just took off. It was wild. And then the and we're just like, oh, I guess we're going now. And then they had the pack of dogs and we just went out for like nine hours. It was amazing. So they, yeah, completely different. Uh, it's interesting. They they had a, a small animal. They had a, a dick dick. It's like a small antelope type mm-hmm. thing. So as soon as we got there, the first day they already caught it. And they just opened it up on a rock. They took the guts out. I think the dogs got the guts immediately. 
And then they just started slicing with a knife that's never been washed. They have very few possessions. They have the only thing they have that's modern is they have knives, but they actually trade with the Datoga. So the Datoga are blacksmith tribe that do things. Is like, this the Hadza or the Masada? The Hadza, the Hadza right? The Hadza. Yeah. So they, the Datoga are in the area, and they actually figured out how to use like a cow's stomach to make bellows, and they they know how to melt metal and make, fashion like simple arrowheads and knives and stuff. So the only modern things they have is pretty much a knife or arrowheads and shorts. Shorts are pretty good. You know, they have like khaki shorts that they kind of trade with because it's pretty hard to make like a good pair of shorts. You know what I mean? Like people, I could, I get why you wear like loincloths or other weird things because the shorts are hard. So these dudes just roll around in shorts and skins and the homemade bow and arrow and that's it. So anyway, they, they open up this animal in the rock with this knife that's never been washed. We're eating on the ground. We're like sitting on the ground. We're just crouching around rocks. They cut open they cut the liver the liver is covered in guts they take the knife they cut it and it's like yellow and green guts on it and they just hand it to me and i just eat it and they're very surprised too because i don't think tourists usually eat the liver uh so this group are with you know contacts tourists more often than and then any other normal group and yeah I, I i was just thinking about the studies i've heard from herman Ponzer. have you heard of this guy's like a harvard researcher He's a total clown, actually. Uh, I had a phone call with him, and he was so rude. Oh, to is me. he the high fiber? Like, yeah, kind of. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And but he wrote the book Burn, which is actually a decent book. He actually shows that they don't burn that many more calories than Americans. That they're it, it's very interesting. It's a separate topic, but he believes in this diet. Like he went to Harvard, and they're just like grains, whole grains, low fat, the whole thing. And he's part of these groups that said that they eat like a hundred grams of fiber per day or something ridiculous. So. And it's, it has to do with the microbiome as part of it. So I started thinking about the longer we were there, like they're not eating fiber for one thing. They're eating off the ground. They're, eat, they're not washing anything. They have no sanitation. They're, these guys actually were drinking muddy water, like brown water. We, we were out hunting. They didn't bring water. And they would have, this kid climbed up in the tree. They had this one younger guy in the, the male group, the male adult group. And he climbed up and he got like a scoop of, water that was in a baobab tree and they just took a few sips of brown water and kept on going okay so not eating fiber eating out the ground eating dirty water this whole thing with the microbiome is i think completely bogus with the fiber the, the fiber thing i mean fiber is fine i guess if you're eating an apple great you know you're getting some fiber it's not like the fiber is magical it's just you're eating a whole food and you happen to be getting some fiber and it's fine so same thing with the the tubers. They eat. so we hung out with the women. These women sitting on the ground. They get these big tubers. They throw them on the fire and they just let them roast for a while. Then they cut them, cut off the skin. They cut it up and they give it to you. And they they have a pile of cud. Basically, it's like the fibrous parts they spit out. So these women are because this is not like your sweet potato. This, this is definitely this, not your sweet potato. This is pretty extreme. It's kind of like eating sugar cane. If anyone's chewed on sugar cane, it's not like you're eating the sugar cane. It's like a stalk. It's like pure fibrous stuff you would never eat. You chew on the sugar cane and then you spit out the stalk. And that's what they were doing. They weren't eating any fiber. They were just chewing on this tuber to get a bit of glucose so that they could have calories. And that was it. So. I think they, these researchers, these Harvard bogus guys come there and they're like, oh, well, here's like a three pound tuber. Okay, well, that's like 300 grams of fiber divided out, blah, blah, blah. Okay, these people eat an insane amount of fiber. They're not eating it. 
I mean, the amount of like, yeah, they're not even eating it. I mean, yeah. the amount of calories you're getting from such a, a plant is no, yeah. is nothing compared to like the meat, I would imagine. And yeah, I watched this documentary. I think his name is Mike Leach or something Leach. I mm-hmm. forget. He was one of the guys who's part of this these research groups mm-hmm. studying the microbiota diversity. And if you aren't familiar to the listeners, their microbiota diversity is like off the charts. It's mm-hmm. about like three times the standard American or mm-hmm. California, I think they had in these studies. And if you gave them antibiotics, like they would recover in like one day. Mm-hmm. Whereas in the US, if you give someone antibiotics, it could nuke their gut for a month, for a year, or some bacteria may never come back. Mm-hmm. Depends on, you know, the state of your health. And that that was my takeaway was, you know, they're just totally in in it right Mm -hmm. from like exposing themselves to all these dirty things like they're not clean at Mm -hmm. all maybe that's good for our health maybe that's how we were meant to live and i don't know did you come back and you know stop wash using toxic soap and Uh, start washing things less like did you make any actionable changes from that or were you well i never felt i can't get away with this like they can I've never felt better on that trip. Like sometimes you go on trips to other countries and you get a bad Sick. stomach ache. Yeah. You have all these problems. I had nothing like that. I had amazing health the entire time. My stomach felt great. And yeah, I think I improved my microbiome. I was never into the hand washing stuff in the first place. But yes, I, I think I did less. I went almost three years ago. This was during the middle of COVID. And oh, I, I washed my hands less during COVID. I was like, I will, I went... I was sharing drinks with homeless guys during and this first month of COVID. I didn't care at all because I already knew this kind of thing. It's like, mm-hmm. I do not want to be clean and sterilized. I, I made a joke once about like the gym. There's this guy like cleaning oh, up. Yeah. He was like sanitizing everything. I'm like, I came to the, it was kind of a joke, but kind of serious. I came to the gym to get healthy people's microbiome, right? It's like, here's a bunch of strong guys and girls, you know, taking care of themselves i want your microbiome why are you like cloroxing it you know everything you touch yeah i mean i think part of this study i read too is that they swabbed um this leech guy swabbed like so many hadza and their houses and everything he found that the outside of their house and the inside of their house was exactly the same mm. if you take a modern house in the u.s the outside and the inside you know the inside has like a fraction mm-hmm. of the microbiome or biota um the bacteria diversity and yeah it's so true like we want to be really embracing that and these guys are hunting so they're getting all the bacteria from whatever game they hunt um think about the variety of species they would hunt as well we're not doing that we're not even butchering anything everything's sterilized i got a lot of flack this summer because i would go hiking and I would, you know, go up in the mountains and just drink unfiltered stream water. People mm-hmm. were like, you're going to get Giardia and all that. And I'm like, I don't think so. And I never did. And then I also think another important component of that is the the sun because that strong UV, what mm-hmm. does UV light do? It's, you know, it eliminates bad bacteria, pathogenic bacteria. That's why they have UV actually like water bottle cleaners yeah. now. And I was like, hmm. Maybe this all makes sense, right? Maybe this isn't um, a coincidence that this is like why the Hods are so quote unquote healthy. I'm right there with you. And and I don't even know. I, we'd have to stay with them longer to see the diversity of their diet. But sure, they, you know, they're just eating random stuff too. This, but it's not like they're eating tons and tons of fiber. This is the magical thing. It's not like they had kiwis and 
papayas. Like, no, no, they just had some berries or they had just random. Yeah, what was the fruit like there? Because they had the baobab, they have the, I don't know, Paul said he ate some berries and they got really sick. The red berry, yeah. And then they have honey, right? That's about it. But I, I still don't want to seem like I'm like the expert of the Hadza because we no, were only there for a few just days. Just based on what you yeah. saw. But yeah, we, we overlapped with Paul. Paul's was supposed to stay on with us for weeks longer and they, he got so sick. He was, he's like, I, I'm out. I think he ate the, berries, the seeds yeah. of the berries. Well, he was and supposed they, to spit them out or something. And I think they ate way too many. Something like that. Because the Hadza, from what I heard too, is talking, they didn't, they don't eat like tons and tons of them. Maybe they don't eat the seeds. They Yeah, they just kind of did it wrong. Uh, no, there, yeah, there's baobab, which is this chalky kind of thing. It's not even like a fruit, really. It's it's very weird. Is it even sweet? Not really. It's just like chalky and like mildly sweet. And it's you open it up and it has kind of seeds in it, and you try to eat around the seeds, and it's just this chalky thing. That I didn't even see any berries. That we when we were there, there were no berries. We did get honey with them on the way on the hunt, and meat. And yes, they were, because it was more modernized, they were gathering some leaves. Like the women had some like pumpkin leaves or something. And they spent hours and hours like deveining them and trying to prepare them to be edible. But that's also just because the pods have no more land or animals anymore. They're kind of pushed yeah, they, up. Yeah, they can't hunt the big game, right? Or they don't have yeah. this vast amount of land. So they're forced to. And then since they're around modern populations, there's like some sort of pumpkin patch that would never <laughs> have existed before. You know, so this is the researchers don't understand this at all and yeah yeah i was just gonna say that's interesting about the fruit because that's something i think about too is like what was the fruit like we we know that fruit was not like it is now yeah and how much does that play into kind of how many carbohydrates but something that was cool is you can just look up like the honey when they eat it i mean they're eating the the larva they're eating mm-hmm. whatever is in there so i think again from a microbiota perspective that's got to be very nourishing yeah, and getting some protein in there too. It's just so fascinating to me. And the other thing, going back to seasonality that this paper and um, Leach kind of reported on was that their diversity completely changed from winter to summer, or sorry, I should say from dry to wet season because mm-hmm. that's what they have there. And the food availability changes somewhat. Um, I think they do have more fruit in the wet season yeah yeah. it was wet season we were there and they they were telling us when it was dry season we had a great translator that there's just none of this greenery was there it's like they would not have had any kind of fruit or maybe the baobab i I don't know if that's kind of year round or not i think the baobab might have been the only thing that was year round but maybe the honey and a few other fruits were not Mm -hmm. but the yeah i mean you could look at it this their biota diversity was just like a huge swing from Mm. dry to wet season and I think that just goes again to the seasonality piece. And, and they're at the equator, right? Mm-hmm. Like think about someone who's like in, in Norway when, you know, there's all these, you know, berries and things available maybe in the, the summer for three months and then the rest of the year, it's just maybe meat. Do you think about the fat to protein kind of ratio at all often? Because this is what I talked to Chafee, um, Dr. Anthony Chafee about. And I talk about the Hadza and I talk about like modern wild game and it's very lean, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, if based on what you saw, the Hadza probably aren't consuming a ton of fat because they can't hunt like these bigger animals. And in the US and just in general, these me- massive animals, the megafauna, they all died off in the, the last ice age. Yeah. So he argues that probably anytime before 12,000 years ago or 15,000 years ago, 
we would have ate way, way, way more fat content. And that's something as like a very meat centric diet person, I think about often because I always struggle. It's like, how should I be like loading up on the fat or should I be striving to eat leaner meat? It's like the meat I hunt, like elk or, or then bison as well. Um, yeah. And I don't, I don't know if I have the answer. So I'm curious your opinion. Oh yeah. Are you self-employed or a small business owner and are tired of paying hundreds of dollars a month to centralize health insurance companies for minimal coverage because there is no alternative? Well, I have good news for you. There is. And this podcast is brought to you by CrowdHealth. CrowdHealth is a more decentralized alternative to health insurance, and it uses community and crowdfunding to help its members pay for emergencies when they do happen. They incentivize and prioritize health and personal responsibility and share the thought that you should really only be using the centralized healthcare system when emergencies do happen. This is what I am on board with, and I have personally signed up for CrowdHealth since I left the corporate engineering world and the medical benefits that come with it. If you want to learn more, you can check out our episode with CEO and founder Andy Schoonover, or you can head over to joincrowdhealth.com and use code DRADIO, D-R-A-D-I-O, when you sign up to get a discounted rate of only $99 for the first three months. Centralized healthcare is one of the biggest issues in our society today, and I really love what CrowdHealth is doing to provide an alternative for people who care. I've thought about this a lot, and yeah, I love Chafee, talked to him a lot, and been researching this, Mickey Bendor, have you talked to him before? No, I've heard of his work, though. Yeah, he's really big on this stuff of evaluating like the context of just 300,000 years or 2 million years, yeah. you know, with pre-humans, and for... 99% of that time we were eating like woolly mammoth, tons of fat, meat. We had all this. Yeah, around 11,800 years ago, there was a younger Dryas impact. Most likely is kind of why the megafauna became extinct. And then ever since then, we have not had yeah these large fatty animals. And they were all over the other continents as well, not just North America. And I think that is a huge factor. And, you know, people talk about the how the humans got smaller in stature, our brains got smaller. We have more disease after around the 12,000 year mark. And part of that was to do with agriculture, surely, right? Eating these lower quality grains and stuff. But also, yeah, maybe it is just we didn't have our true ancestral diet that had tons of fat with it and we're forced to. So now, yeah, these guys are forced to eat just leaner meat and they, they can make up for that with honey and baobab and stuff like that and chewing on some tubers. But I, I really do think we could have done better. I think, so okay, look at the Maasai. They are very different looking people and health. The Hadza, they kind of look like teenagers. They, I mean, they're healthy and they're strong. They're kind of like me, like I'm kind of wiry. Like I'm not like a large man. Yeah, same here. <laughs> I'm, I'm like a wiry, you know. So this is what they look like, sort of wiry guys. And they, yeah, they, they were like 5'8 or something. The Hadza, the Maasai, they're eating more fat, right? They're eating blood and milk and meat. And they are huge, very tall. They, they're filled out more, better teeth, bigger jaws, bigger everything. So I think there is something to that where this could be our, our more optimal approach was back in the day. And it also makes sense because that's the lion's share of our history. I think I'm agreeing. I, yeah. I, I think um, Chafee and also talked to Dr. Lazo Boros who does deuterium yep. research and the best way to kind of deplete deuterium and is eat high quality grass fed pasture raised fat. And 
Yeah, I mean, it makes total sense. And I also talked to Michael Crawford, who yeah. you interviewed. That was such a fun discussion. And yeah, he talks all about the brain development. And obviously, he's big on on the seafood, the DHA mm-hmm. component, which I think is a piece in there. But that's, what is that? That's fat. That's fat. And yeah. So no, I was just saying too, it's like these huds that we were with, they are sucking every last bit of fat off these animals. Mm. They were sucking on every bone. They were not giving the bones to the dogs until they sucked. Were they cracking them open? Oh, they were cracking them open. Also the skull. So this little tick-tick thing. I have videos of that the younger guy in the in the group just gnawing on the head. He had this little skull gnawing every little bit of the thing and then they cracked it open and we ate the brains. And so they're getting all the fat. And but also, you should say it could also be a seasonal component too because I've seen people do well and you know they're it's like the more pro metabolic approach is kind of what Paul's doing with all the fruit. So it's like all whole foods, it's still animal based, still eating organs, but then you have more carbs in the hard form of fruit and whole foods. That could also be totally fine. And maybe that happens seasonally, right? So maybe it's not like everyone has to go on this high fat diet and just live off that. I mean, it can be perfectly fine to mimic other times of the year. And we could have eaten more carbs and it could be totally fine. So it's just, it's just, I guess it's just a seasonal thing. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And actually I've been researching and if you look on like just inputs to our biology, mitochondrial function, fats kind of turn on you know, certain functions in our body, like heat production in our mitochondria will be increased when you have a higher fat diet if you need, if you have all the right inputs. And I think that's what it's all about. But I think it's definitely true because fat is just, it's more nutrient, it's more calorie dense. It's uh, producing more ATP per like molecular weight compared to glucose. It's producing more water as well in the mitochondria. Mm. Guess what you also said? How much water did the hods drink? Not much. It's pretty amazing. They don't eat much salt either. It's it's weird. I think there's kind of this different what, metabolic approach that they have, and it's just like less water, less salt. I mean, they they have blood. You know, they're getting some of these salts, but and they do have like d- different ways of acquiring salt. But it's not. They were not salting their meat. They're definitely not walking around with a, a gallon jug of water and putting electrolytes in there. That's no. what I think the biggest takeaway is. And that's what Laszlo Boros, who I talked to, he's big on that because he's like, we're drinking so much water. We would never have drank this much water. But I think it's also a big component of our modern lifestyles. We're so dehydrated from all the toxins that mm-hmm. we're exposed to. So our mitochondria, we're actually not able to produce water as effectively mm. as the Hadza or the, you know, Maasai, people like that. There's something there. It's it's a different metabolism. I don't know what to call it, but I, I know that, yes, we did not drink that much water. Like I've seen it. They didn't, they don't have their little Nalgene containers or whatever. <laughs> uh, they, yeah, in the modern diet and modern life and environment, yes, there's something else going on and we have to like make up for it. Yeah. And um, oh, what was I going to say? Oh, the milk. So I think the, the dairy and something Chafee said as well, um, when we basically got rid of all these megafauna, he theorizes we just figured out the dairy was kind of like a, just a good source of fat and mm-hmm. calories and we kind of inherited that, but that's also recent. Mm-hmm. So you can make the argument that we weren't really designed to consume dairy. So I don't know what your thoughts are there. Yeah, I, a- I kind of go back and forth on this as well. I don't, yeah. This is one that's really controversial and I like to step back and not really have a dog in the fight. Because it's fine. Yeah. I mean, we have raw dairy here that shows up every Wednesday and it's great. And I started adding it to my diet because it, it's, I feel great drinking and I don't have the 
ill effects of normal dairy. But I, yeah, I don't think we had it for all of history. I don't know, but it's like, well, what is optimum? Like what, like, yeah, I mean, you could just try to eat like fatty mammoth meat or approximate that and your whole life can be pretty terrible <laughs> if you're trying yeah. to do that in a modern world and that's all I'm going to have. I think you're doing pretty damn good. I feel like you're you're already cutting out all this nonsense. And then if you have some raw dairy, I like the fermented raw dairy or fermented dairy oh. in general, like yogurt and kefir uh, yeah. this morning. And it's like, you know, if this is a vice, whatever. I mean, Genghis yeah. Khan was drinking like fermented horse milk and eating meat and, you know, conquered half the Eastern world. So I'm about it. I had kefir this morning as well. It's all just interesting because I think we just don't really know for sure. And you've talked to a lot of these researchers, kind of the ancestral, the anthropologist. Mm -hmm. It seems like we just, you know, we have an idea, but we don't really know. And then you can get into, yeah, the younger Dryas theory, the ancient civilizations, Graham Hancock. Oh, yeah, like, I love that. We, we just don't really know. So, I mean, what, what do you think or what are you excited to maybe uncover in, in that realm that could maybe shed some more light on how we live mm. a better better life as a society. Yeah, I think about this stuff a lot. And I'm actually thinking about this other group that we visited. It's more of the opposite of like what not to do. And there's if you're living ancestrally, you're, you're going to be good, right? Like you're 90% there. But there was this group, we were trying to line up some elders. Like for the film, we're like, let's get a group of elderly people Let's interview them and, and talk about their secrets. And so these are people that were in the agricultural village between the city and the Hadza, right? The people on the Hadza, they were like out there doing their thing. City is a mess. People are becoming very sick very quickly. They're, but they're not even, they don't even have fast food. A lot of these cities in Africa, they don't have, that. no one can afford fast food. There's fast food places for tourists, but they're not eating it. So it's actually really interesting is that they can get sick. They, they have kind of these cans of seed oils. They have like Gatorade bottles that they put like cooking oil in and they're frying their food in this cooking oil and they're getting sacks of corn flour mm -hmm. and they're getting very sick just from having this cooking oil and the sacks of grain. And so I, I just like to point that out because some people just think it's all it's like, oh, well, there's like red dye number six and that's why you're all sick. Like that's terrible. I don't eat their dyes, but really you can be, come sick just by adding a, a bunch of seed oils and refined, just like empty calories from grains and sugar from your diet. Like that can happen. We can't blame everything. Like it's not like a free pass. It's like, oh, I ate all these cookies, but they don't have dyes in them and they don't have, you know, I'm like, no, that's still not going to be good for you. It, so, so that's one point. The second one is that this group of elderly people, it was an agricultural village. They were not doing well. They were, they were hunched over. They had arthritis. They had all these aches and pains. They were telling us the stories of, through the translator of, of how they were not thriving. They were sick. And these people were only like 60, 70. They looked like a bunch of Americans. And they just weren't obese. But they, they did not look well. And we started getting to know their diet. And it was actually what the diet that the governments have been pushing on the population forever. They were eating a whole foods diet based on grains and low meat. They had very little meat and they had a high grain diet and they were a mess. Really interesting. No one's ever talked about this before. Oh, I, I talk about it because here's my theory as well. When you take a population of hunter gatherers and you put them on like a high grain 
low meat diet, I think they will deteriorate faster than any European because again, Europeans have been like eating and same with alcohol, same with mm-hmm, other, yep. anything that has been like in the European culture for let's say a thousand years at least, which for sure bread, for sure beer and things like mm-hmm. that. Um, this didn't exist in Africa at all. And you see this with like Native Americans, um, African tribes and the aboriginals of Australia. Yep. They all get put on this like high seed oil, high processed carbohydrate diet grains and they just get decimated. Oh, so like, quickly. So quickly. No, you're right. And, and I shouldn't say no one's talking about this is a specific, this is like a I subset. just meant me. Like I've been thinking about this because no, you're right. Nobody yeah. really talks about like that nuance of like why this is happening. But yeah, totally. Well, no, no. They're, they're, so there are more people talking about broadly like the bigger story of, yes, Native Americans like fry bread is a good example, right? And they're just- That's not traditional, people. Like not that at is all. bullshit. Yeah, and I think it's traditional because they've been doing it for 50 years, or like 80 <laughs> years. They're like, no, no, no. You are just taking like flour and just dunking it in seed oils. I'm so glad you said that. Yeah, and it's terrible. For sure, alcohol, all this. But I don't think, any, I've never heard anyone talk about the specific group of people that we visited because mm-hmm. these are just, yeah. who would go there? I mean, this has never been said. I've never heard anything about this because this is out in Tanzania and it's not the hunter-gatherers. It's not the city people. It's this agricultural group that, they can't afford meat. They can get a few eggs once in a while. They can get a little bit of dairy once in a while. They're eating fruits and vegetables. All they have is fruits and vegetables and they have sacks of corn and they make ugali. Where are they getting like these grains and seed oils from? Just no, no, I'm trading. This is a separate group. They, these people oh. don't even have seed oils. Oh, okay. Just in grains. the city. Just grains. Okay, yeah. So in the city is where they have this, they call them cooking oil. So in the city and they were getting sick very quickly. The city we went around to in Uganda actually. This is a separate part in Uganda. They and there's these uh, like farmers market type things. Right, this is just how they get their food. And there's just Whole Foods everywhere. But then they get sacks of grain, it's sacks of corn flour, and then they have the cooking oils. These people cannot afford fast food, but they were women. It seems like you could last till you're like 40, 45, and people were in shape and looked fine. And then you hit 50, men were walking around. Any man I saw over 50, huge pot belly. And these women over 50, gigantic, huge metabolic problems. And it was just from the cooking oil and just the grains. Then separately, talking about in Tanzania, the agricultural village, again, all whole foods, no cooking oils. All they had was sacks of grain or sacks of corn flour and big, big problems, but not obese, right? Everyone there, thin, but huge problems. But sick. But sick. And this is what... So this is like flies in the face of all of this messaging, like the, even the blue zones. They're like, oh, well, just eat the whole grains, plant-based, fruits, veg. This is what they had. They had plant-based. They, that's all. They, they had bananas everywhere. They had all these whole foods, right? So theoretically, they would have been fine, but they couldn't afford meat and they, they would have to eat a lot of just the, the corn flour to, to get enough calories to live. And that's just really interesting that no one wants to talk about in the mainstream for sure. And I just haven't heard anyone actually visit these people. That makes sense, actually. Yeah, sorry I was misunderstanding the which group yeah. is what, but no, totally. And yeah, when you just yeah think about the Hadza or the Maasai and see how different that is when I think you make this drastic change in a population that is was so recently connected to that, you're just going to be, you're just totally going to be screwed. 
And and then that's true because if you, yeah you don't have the generations to adapt, but even with those generations that adapt, if they don't have enough meat, and they 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 still can do poorly. Oh yeah, yeah. totally. I mean, I just think it's like that's like a multiplier of like how fast that, yes. things go wrong. If you take any European and I think put them on like eighty percent grain diet, they're just gonna well. Be we've seen that terrible. like throughout the ages, like there's the dark ages. There's these times. That's what all the play. poor people ate. Yeah, right? they the were peasants. just did terribly, and yeah. they died, and they yeah, their average lifespan. People don't know the average lifespan was has been thirty five forever until nineteen like hundred. Like people say, oh, the hundred gatherers are lifespan was 35 no it's just because they had lots of childhood mortality they had all these other yes. things going on. but even with the the middle ages dark all this time they're still were dying in infant in in childbirth and in infant death and then also just low nutrition even up into the 1900s and we, we our average height was pretty short back in the day if you look at world war one it's like five seven or something five six like these people were not doing well nutritionally and they were on this same thing whole, you know, just whole food, low animal meat, grains. Yeah. Yeah. That's spot on. And that's something I love to get into because it's like the lifespan metric is just such bullshit. Um, but there were certain areas of people or certain populations that did have some abundance. And yeah, if they were eating real foods and living all the healthy lifestyles that they would have been in the pre 1900s, I mean, people lived to 70, 80, 90. What did you experience in the Hadza? Cause they, I thought, from what I've read, they have some guys that are still hunting in like their 70s and things yeah. like that. Well, we just had such a small sample size, but we were out hunting with guys definitely in their 60s. They could have been in their 70s for all we know. They just look yeah, like they're in their 60s. Yeah, I guess you 60s. don't even know. Yeah, but they look so good. This is another thing that Chafee talks about. I don't know if you talked about with him about we we don't really know how old people were. Way back in the day, you look at the bones and they just guess. They're like yeah. based on the wear and tear of these bones this person was 40 because modern humans <laughs> well, yeah, are a wear, mess at 40. Wear and tear. How is that even such a, how is that even close to an accurate indication? It's wild. I, I think there's some, a lot of stuff we don't know. Like if, if so if, hopefully that makes sense to the audience. If you, if they look at a, an average person nowadays, they're falling apart by 40, right? So then we find some bones and they look like an American four-year-old and they're like, okay, this Homo erectus was 40. This Homo erectus could have been 100. And is that actually how they do it? I didn't even know. I, a lot of it. Yeah. They look at their teeth enamel and like their breakdown. It's like, yeah, just because our teeth break down doesn't mean that these people's teeth broke down that fast or wear and tear. There's not a good age. To, there's not a good way. This is what I found out more recently. It's not a good way to just find out someone's age by looking at their bones other than comparing it to our modern equivalents, which is a terrible metric. Yeah, I, I didn't know that. I think that makes total sense and just supports my hypothesis even more so that we were for sure living to probably 80 to 100 like for a long time. Not everybody, but if you get past 15, 20, I mean, and you yeah. don't go to war and you don't, you know, die via spear or something. Get like, mauled by an animal, yeah, or die of some crazy infection. I, I, I think they were really set up to be protected from infection. So if you have a good diet and you're out there doing all the right things, right? You're in the nature, you're doing that. You can drink the dirty water and you're fine, but still some things could have happened and they could, but also we just don't know. I think it's just a lot of modern science guesses. And I think there actually is kind of this, a little bit, my tinfoil hat will say there's this kind of agenda to make it seem like our ancestors weren't healthy. There's a bias, we'll call it, right? Like if, if our ancestors, if there was this message that all these scientists were like, wow, 
our ancestors were robust, tall, strong, healthy people that lived to 100, that would ruin the whole narrative that you need to eat cereal and well, that's exactly why I get so pissed off about this. If you listen to any, for some reason, I think it was because Neil deGrasse Tyson was on there. And I was just mm. researching like stupid shit he says to like yeah. make content out of it. And there was a podcast with some heart cardiologist expert and they're talking about COVID and they're talking about lifespan. They're like, yeah, well, you know, our ancestors didn't have to worry about chronic disease because they all died at 40. I almost like, like wanted to throw computer. Yeah. my computer. It was insane. Like, yeah. Yeah, lifespan it's, it's is an, an agenda. A- no, average metric, and it's one hundred. Obviously, these people are smart, but they're so programmed, and then it's a complete agenda. If you're a health conscious food consumer who's also very active, you know how big of a struggle it is to find a bar that is both convenient and nutrient dense. That's why I was so excited when I discovered the Alpa Bar. The Alpa Bar is a meat based bar that contains only simple ingredients: one hundred percent grass fed beef, tallow, and honey and is both nutrient-dense and convenient and packs a caloric punch of over 300 calories. For me, this was a game-changer and is now the go-to snack and fuel source I use when I'm hiking, camping, hunting, skiing, or doing anything in the outdoors and I don't have the resources to cook a full meal. The Alpa Bar is made proudly in Colorado and only uses locally sourced meat. JJ and Rob are also extremely based and accept Bitcoin for payment. I highly recommend you check out the Alpha Bar for any time you need a nutrient-dense and convenient snack on the go. Check them out at eatalpa.com and use code DRADIO5 at checkout to get a 5% discount. And if you pay in Bitcoin, you can get an additional discount on top of that. That's eat. AUPA.com and use code DRADIO5 at checkout. And yeah, so in Uganda, actually, we spent time with the pygmies. They call the Batwa. And there was a woman that was 105 that was jumping around dancing. And she had six generations below her. They weren't like the direct lineage, but like there was a person from each generation, you know, how the family tree works, right? Not her, but yeah, descendants of hers, six generations. And she grew up in the forest eating wild foods and just trapping pigs and eating meat. She said that they used to eat meat three times a day and now they only get meat on Christmas. That's insane. Yeah. And now that they're a mess, like the younger generations, they they have the pot bellies from the malnutrition and they're a mess. And yeah, they're just surviving on beans and rice. They're kicked out of their land. It's a whole story. Someone said that those pot bellies is actually because they're now having to eat this like these this fiber rich tuber porridge because they don't have access to the the meat like they used to. And I was like, oh, that's interesting. Well, not really. They are forced to eat that. And yes, I did see them. Then they made the porridge. There was one kid out there with a machete who was just eating corn stalks for breakfast. Like he was just chopping at a corn stalk that and was just chewing on it to try to get like four calories. No, these people are, they're, they're not doing well. They, they have no land. They're, they're a shorter population. They're not like super, super short because I think they've been breeding with other people that are taller, but they have no land. They have nothing. And they used to, yeah, they used to just grow. Their whole society was in the forest catching meat and just living off the land. This conversation really makes me want to just go buy some land in Wyoming and just live 100% outside. Uh, it's so hard. And uh, like eating, obviously we're all eating good. Uh, 
it's tough, right? Like, where do we go? Like, how do we how do we solve this problem in, in a modern world? Mm. Because it seems like a challenge. Yeah, I think about this a lot as well. I kind of have a five-year plan too. I, I think there, there's a way to live within society, but have like a parallel society. This is kind of my dream. And I'm trying to do this around Sapien, right? The Sapien idea, it's like, okay, right now it's a Sapien Center and, you know, whatever I call the Sapien Diet Framework. But like it could be a, a parallel society almost. Like people, not that it has to be all about sapien, but the, like this is the mindset that we can reject all the modern norms. They're opting out. You're opting out of the system. And and it's people that want to eat well, they, they're the move, they like live in nature, but it's even more than that. It's just, yeah, you can do simple things to opt out of society and still live within society. Like you don't, I don't have a watch. I don't have like random stuff. I don't buy anything. Like I got a shirt for free or something. Like I just, I just acquire things to, and I, I have enough and I don't want more. And it, it's actually a mindset where it takes a while because back in the day, I remember living in LA and it was just like, oh, I want to get this car. Like I'm going to get this car and this is going to be great. And I have this nice car. Right. And then I moved to Austin and I got more into this mindset and it was like, I don't, I definitely don't want a nice car. Like, why, why is that going to be better? Like I have, my car's 21 years old. It's great. Wow. I like it. Actually, it is pretty nice. Well, not really. It's 21 years old, but you know what I mean? It's like, I, part of this mindset you're asked with like the solution, the solution is opting out, creating your own society within a society and even changing your mindset about what you even want. Like, why do you want more? Like, why do you want what other people are telling you you should want? The whole society is based on marketing consumerism and you need this nice watch and you need the nice new car and it's like you like real i recently realized that i i don't actually want those things anymore it's like i want i'll do a little quick thing i call the perfect wednesday like if you had a trillion dollars say you woke up and all the money in the whole world and money was absolutely no object what would your perfect wednesday be not yeah not like your birthday no, like, no. What would your perfect Wednesday be? I mean, I I would just want to be out in the mountains. So wake up, yeah. Just do do like, like one minute. I would you just wake up, wake up um, by a campfire and cook breakfast outside on my cast iron. Maybe sip some bone broth and then go hiking, go hunting, kind of work up a sweat, work up, you know, do a workout in that regard, and then go swim in like a fresh body of water, and then come together for a great meal with some friends obviously i would want to do that with mm -hmm. like-minded individuals and that to me you know watch a sunrise watch a sunset and that would be the perfect perfect day for me 100 percent perfect and then maybe at some point you'd work on something that you care about yeah sometime yeah. during that day on your own terms right you'd work on it's exactly what i would say and and exactly what I, the point i'm making is those things are all free too like none of those cost money and what it is is about your community around you and being in nature, all that stuff. So yeah, it that kind of like changed that little thought experiment, experiment changed the world for me. I'm like, well, it also changes like I don't need the money. It's like you can do that now. And then maybe, yes, I still want to be successful and you know have businesses and whatever. But you could be like, well, I'm already doing that now. I'm doing a version of that now. Like I can do that version. I, I wake up without an alarm. Yeah. I work on something I care about. I come to Sapien Center. I, I'm around people, like-minded people. We do a sauna and work out together. And I eat a meal with my friends and I go to sleep. It's exactly it. I, that cost me no money. I can do that now. I, I have not become super successful yet, uh, but I am. 
because I can do that. And well, that is what is success. I mean, yeah. like you just said, that to me, that sounds like success. I mean, that sounds like a pretty damn good life. And I think the same of, you know, mm-hmm. how I live. I have a vision. Obviously, it does cost money to buy like land and things like mm-hmm. that. And, you know, it's nice to have like a four year old drive car or some decent camping equipment. But that's mm-hmm. about it. Like, that's all I really need money for. That's what I'm working towards. But totally. I mean, the consumerism, I think. And, I always tie it back to the money just being broken. And that's why the social programming has become so strong in all these agendas because we're just trying to prop up the system. We have more people who opt out via taking control of their health, via, you know, investing Bitcoin or what have you, which a lot of people are now doing both. Mm -hmm. They're going to be screwed. And then we're going to build this adjacent society that is going to be thriving. We're going to be healthier. We're eventually going to have more money over mm-hmm. time. Mm-hmm. So it might take some some time and we're going to be able to actually build things of value. And that's what I'm really excited about. And I can't wait because then we can get rid of all the useless things in our society. And yeah, you don't need a new phone every two years. You don't need all these new clothes, like brand oh. new car. Like this oh. is all just a, a fiat psyop in my <laughs> opinion. It is. That's why you just change your mindset. That's my newest thing is like, man, it's actually even down to the mindset change. It's like, and I love this adjacent society, parallel society. It's going to be so incredible when we have these specimens of health. That already happens. People show up to the Sapien Center and they're like, what is going on around here? Why does everyone look so healthy? Wow, there's people who uh, aren't fat and can move and work out. Like, what's, you know, what's going on? What's the deal? Like, why does everyone have a suntan? Like, this is crazy. It's so great. And it's only, I think it's just going to get worse. And you talk about fertility and like reproduction. I mean, in two generations, I think any of these like super woke people that are just nuking their health, what have you, modern living, I mean, they're not even going to be able to, they already are struggling to reproduce. I mean, how much are they paying for like IVF and all this other bullshit? And if you're living a a sapien style lifestyle. You're going to be happily and easily oh, able to reproduce and we're going to have more kids. They don't all, they don't even want to have kids. And eventually there you go. Self-balancing mechanism. It's going to be great. And yeah, I mean, maybe it's just a small percentage, but yeah, maybe that can grow. And still, I don't even want them to know about us. I want to just be like secretly living our own way. <laughs> That'd be nice. Well, Brian, I appreciate your time. Where can people find everything that you're working on? Um, nose to tail documentary sapien center yeah mainly just food lies if you search food lies on youtube or instagram or any place that's just the best place to start fantastic well it's great to do this in person great to see you again and uh, we'll definitely have to rip another episode sometime in the future i might be in austin more regularly because this week has been pretty good but thanks so much for coming on thanks everybody for tuning in to another episode thanks Kristen.